scent of potpourri Films we commit to memory Crossing the felt roads Watching from home on my TV Looking at all my eyes can't see They tell me I view obsessively Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com. And while every episode will always be free, if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for tons of bonus audio content, including TV and book reviews, immediate reaction movie reviews, Patreon potpourri episodes, movie commentary tracks, and early access to content. Uh, you can find that once again at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. I'm your host, Matt Hurt, and you can find me on social media and letterboxed at obsessive viewer. And joining me today are two of my friends and colleagues from the IFJA, the Indiana Film Journalists Association, uh, Sam Watermeyer and Joe Shearer. Uh, how are you guys doing this evening? And thank you for, uh, joining me on the show today. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Nice to nice to see you both. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talk, you know, yeah. all the time, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and uh, you guys are both returning champions to the show. Uh, so yeah. And uh, why don't you go ahead and give the audience uh, what they want, which is uh, information on where they can find your work and everything, and <laughs> online social media presence, all of that stuff. Uh, Sam, do you want to start with uh, where you where people can find your writing and social media? Sure. Um, you can find my writing at midwestfilmjournal.com. Um, if you're curious about my Letterboxd account, you can find me at Sam Movie Man. Um, I'm on Facebook uh, and Instagram and not on twitter because i can't handle <laughs> just one more thing to check yeah i totally so, uh, get that. yeah that's where you can find me nice <laughs> and uh and joe where can we find your work online and your social media presence yeah so um yeah uh, of course i'm at midwest film journal on occasion um you can find me every now and again at uh medium cool a movie podcast um that's on apple and lots of other places um, I'm on Facebook. Um, I do have a Twitter, J Joe Shear09, I think. Um, and then I'm Joe R Shear on Letterboxd as well. So um, nice. yeah, uh, come at me there. Um, <laughs> I need some followers. Nice. Uh, well, I'll put links to all of that in the show notes. And once again, guys, thank you for joining me uh, tonight on the show. We are going to be doing a couple of reviews. Uh, first, we're going to be talking about Clerks 3, which is currently in theaters. And then we're going to round out with a uh, review of Blonde, which is hitting Netflix next Wednesday on November, or not November, but September 28th. Uh, uh, Sam is going to be joining us for the Clerks 3 review. And as I understand it, he is a massive, massive fan of the movie. He thinks that it's the greatest movie ever made. Uh, Best film of the year. Best yes. of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, no, we're good. So, yeah, so we've got we've got a stacked uh, stacked house tonight. So 
Um, let's get us kicked off with uh, Clerks 3. Let's just kind of dive right into it. Um, Clerks 3 is currently playing in theaters. It will be available on digital on October 14th, and it'll be hitting Blu-ray and DVD and on-demand on December 6th. Uh, the plot summary, courtesy of IMDb, is... Uh, Dante, Elias, and Jay and Silent Bob are enlisted by Randall after a heart attack to make a movie about the convenience store that started it all. Uh, Written and directed by Kevin Smith, and it stars Brian O'Halloran, Jeff Anderson, Trevor Furman, uh, Jason Mewes, and Kevin Smith. So, gentlemen, before we get into our thoughts on Clerks 3, of course we're going to do a non-spoiler and spoiler uh, review that I'll play a clip from the trailer to switch out to the spoilers. But, uh, what is, what, uh, what is your guys's relationship with Kevin Smith's kind of body of work and the clerks franchise? Um, like what's your history going into clerks three? Well, uh, I'll, I'll start. Let me start. Yeah. You started last time. Okay. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you probably have a more interesting experience because you're a little older than I am. Well, yeah, it's not like I ever met him or anything, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but, um, I, you know, I've traditionally been a fan, um, you know, back to the, you know, the first clerks, um, I, you know, I, I consider that run clerks, small rats, chasing Amy, uh, dogma, Jay and silent Bob strike back, you know, is kind of some of my favorite movies from, you know, from the time they were made in. And, uh, you know, they're all movies I've watched multiple times. I really enjoyed them. Um, they kind of, you know, informed my, you know, love of movies, you know, f- you know, during, you know, I, and I can't, was coming up in the, the mid nineties, you know, that was kind of my formative years, cinematically speaking. So, um, you know, I, yeah, I was, I've been a big fan traditionally. Um, I, I actually interviewed, um, um, the, the two stars of this movie, uh, many years ago. Um, I was, they were here in Indianapolis. I was actually supposed to meet them in person. Um, and, um, I was sick. So they, um, graciously allowed me to do it by phone and then there was even like a photo shoot from a a um uh whatever whatever place they were in some diner or something mm. so there were pictures that went along with it so i i'd wish that i had uh actually got to go see them but i did get to talk to them both it was and it was a fun experience so um so yeah yeah i've uh nice. yeah i've not uh, interviewed kevin smith like other people on our panel here <laughs> uh yeah what was that was that experience was that for like clerks two or just something they were here for a convention or something no it was for clerks two yeah okay. um, wow yeah they for some reason they came here um i don't i don't even remember why to be to be perfectly honest so yeah i i did a review for them or a, uh, not a review i mean i reviewed the movie but i did mm-hmm. a um a, an inter- interview with them for um what was intake magazine i believe at the time okay um that i wrote for way back then so um yeah, and it was and it was a great experience. So nice. um, you know, they were a lot of fun. So very nice. And uh, and yeah, and what were how did you feel about Clerks two overall and the franchise up to this point? Uh, I, you know, when it when it came out, I was very much like, this movie's got to just be terrible. Mm-hmm. It just has to be horrible. <laughs> and I it's like, I can't imagine it being anything else but just a train wreck. And I really enjoyed it. Um, it, you know, it it had it had a lot of heart, and it, you know, the the same as the, his other movies. You know, they were maybe technically not, you know, up to par, but, you know, for a movie like this, who cares? They're yeah. dialogue based, <laughs> and, you know, largely anyway. It's like, let them sit here with this, a static camera and, mm-hmm. and say funny things about the, you know, all of the science fiction and fantasy properties that we love. And, you know, they, they talked the way that I talked and, mm-hmm. um, you know, more or less. 
um, you know, with, with sort of an East Coast kind of, you know, slant to it. But, mm-hmm. you know, they, they were like my buddies hanging around watching movies together. You know, it was, that was kind of, you know, that was kind of what it was. And, and I, nice. you know, I found a nice bit, you know, nice bits of nice bits of truth. And, you know, mm-hmm. but it was, you know, but, you know, they were largely just movies I loved watching. So, um, yeah. yeah and, and I think it fell in with those. Nice. Nice. Uh, Sam, how about you? What's your history with Kevin Smith movies in the Clerks franchise? Well, first, I just want to say, <clears throat> Joe, I think it's really cool that you interviewed the the stars of Clerks. I don't think I knew about that. Yeah. Um, oh. So uh, I'd, I'd be curious to read that. Yeah. I'll, I, I'll um, um, I wasn't going to gloat about interviewing <laughs> Kevin Smith, but Joe's <laughs> acting all bitter about it. What the <laughs> fuck is your problem? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I had to make sure you mentioned it. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Um, but my experience uh, kind of started with Clerks 2. That was the first Kevin Smith movie that made a big impression on me. I think nice. the first one that I was really aware of, though, just in terms of it coming out at a time when I was, you know, conscious of movies was probably uh, Dogma. Mm. Um, I kind of vaguely remember the the buzz around that. I was, you know, a, a kid at the time. But uh, Clerks 2 was the first uh, Kevin Smith movie that made a big impression on me. Um I remember the the ending being particularly memorable. Um, you know, for those who don't know, it has this beautiful ending in which uh, Dante and Randall embrace the life that they used to uh, lament, um, which was their life as, you know, convenience store clerks. They buy back the quick stop and run it themselves. And they kind of realize that all those years spent together, just kind of hanging out were the best years of their lives. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was kind of beautiful for them to um, embrace that existence. Uh, Clerks three kind of retcons that a little bit, but we'll, we'll get to that uh, later. But anyway, (laughs) yes, I did have, I did have the chance to interview Kevin Smith. Unfortunately, it was for one of his worst movies, uh, Yoga Hosers. Um, (laughs) But I was still very excited to interview him. He was kind of the first big, I don't know, I'd say sort of near A-list filmmakers that I, or at least, you know, well-known, respected. Yeah. Yeah. kind of the first big time filmmaker I had a chance to interview. Um, uh, He uh, was very chatty as expected. Mm. He's quite a storyteller. Um, I was on the phone with him for like 45 minutes. It was kind of funny. I felt like I was the, I was the one kicking him off in the end. (laughs) Um, It seemed like he, he would have kept going for, for quite a while. (laughs) Um, but you know, that was very cool. And, um, so, you know, since clerks two had a big impact on me, I was, um, actually worried for clerks three and, uh, you know, some of my suspicions and worries were confirmed and, uh, (laughs) 
uh, not nearly to the extent that they were for you guys. So <laughs> I'm, I'm eager to get into this cause I think it'll be an interesting, uh, discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and my kind of history just really briefly with Kevin Smith is that I, I liked his movies quite a bit, uh, in, in my formative years as well. Like I, when I was really getting into just physically like physical collections of DVDs. <laughs> like I would buy up all of his movies, um, watch them on, on repeat. I love the idea of clerks and how he, like the, the independent nature of it, how he just did it. You know, he, he went into credit card debt to make it and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and his evolution as a filmmaker has been interesting and I think it kind of peaked for me with uh, Zach and Mary uh, make a porno. And then from there, it's been kind of hit or miss. I, I don't remember if Red State was before or after that, but I enjoyed Red State a bit. But like once, like Tusk kind of just didn't do anything for me. I kind of hated it and then <laughs> never bothered with Yoga Hosers. And then uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot just felt like it just shit the bed entirely. So I've had kind of a mixed reaction to his career, but I do really like Clerks, Clerks 2, Chasing Amy, Mallrats. Uh, all of those are just really good, for, really good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Clerks 3 happened. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's dive into it again. And it restored do... your faith in him as a filmmaker. Um <laughs> did it no it uh <laughs> it resolved my it, it gave me the resolve to just think i'm just not gonna bother with his work going forward <laughs> like yeah. i just i just don't care like he it, it this was just such a train wreck for me but um yeah i and i had reservations going into it i had because when i heard that they were gonna make that he was making clerks three i was like okay well that's cool that's interesting i, I like the idea of him checking in on these characters every decade or so kind of intermittently checking in with them as he has grown as a person and they have grown as characters. I like that idea. I like that idea in principle, but I just, I like when I, when I found out that it was going to be about Randall making his own movie and it being just a kind of a vessel for telling the story of Kevin Smith making clerks and melding it with his heart attack thing. I was just kind of like, okay, well, he's already done. He's already explored that with Zach and Mary. He's already explored the yeah. whole making a movie like after your workplace closes and everything and, and doing that. And that's a really good movie. And then I just feel like I felt like this was going to retread a lot of stuff. And it does. It does. I feel like it was, I will go ahead and say it. I'll lay down the gauntlet. This is the worst movie of the year, the worst movie of mm. his career. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to bother with seeing anything he does going forward unless it's something like getting incredible like buzz or high praise or i'm forced to for whatever reason so i hated this movie (laughs) (laughs) what did you guys think of clerks three and we can dive into a deeper discussion of it i i say let's keep the hatred going on (laughs) i didn't know if we wanted to pile it I'll bring to... you guys back down to earth. Yeah, after. all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm right with you, uh, Matt. It was mm-hmm. I, uh, again, as someone who's been a fan of his for a long time. You know, I, I bought my 
my stepdad and brother tickets to his you know live show when it was here i watched mm. all of his live shows mm-hmm. and you know sam was right he's an amazing storyteller oh yeah um and i i almost feel like he he let that become his life for so long mm-hmm. and you know he he just doesn't have anything real and creative and new to say i don't feel like yeah. and i feel like he's just kind of you know trotting out this old tired stuff and mm-hmm. and is trying to bring it back and i hate to say all that because you know again i i love him you know as a filmmaker i love those movies but um this was just depressing this was yeah. i wouldn't call it the, it's not the worst film i've seen but it was mm-hmm. probably the most depressing and we haven't even talked about the other most depressing movie of the year quite yet <laughs> right um but you know but this one just it depressed me on so many levels um he made a lot of choices that you know to in this movie both kind of you know as background and as narrative beats that just seem nonsensical uh no one seemed like they were really trying um the dialogue was just tired and you know lifeless Mm -hmm. and you know they're they're talking they're trying to talk about like the newest movies and it kind of felt like they kind of had half information Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even the, in Clerks 2, that, that whole uh, Lord of the Rings talk, it, it felt like something different because it was, you know, it, it was number one, it was critical uh, of mm-hmm. the of the franchise. You know, them they, they were old people, you know, smashing on the, the new, you know, the new fanboy darling yeah. of Lord of the Rings, you know, by, you know, by comparing it with Star Wars. And then here they're just like, I don't even remember what references they made. They just kind of like. <laughs> had some discussion here and there in the you know that that character of elias was just terrible he was Mm -hmm. so number one let me say this he wasn't great in clerks too no no. he was annoying and stupid (laughs) and he was he was like he was like the character that the untalented kid in high school who wants to write like he's he's that type of character like the the stories that my classmates and I wrote in college in our college fiction class like he's one of those characters he said that kind of stuff that just didn't make sense to to who the character was here he's completely the other way from what he was in the second you know he was a like a you know super devout christian and then in the third and then this one he's like a satan worshipper and it's just, and it's all, and it's played for comedy, of course, but mm-hmm. it is just the least interesting thing about a movie that, as you said, is pretty much a retread of everything else he's ever made mm-hmm. in one way or another. And it's just, I just didn't care whenever he was there. Um, and and the only difference this time is that the other characters, you know, Dante and Randall aren't also, uh, you know, doing something interesting off of him. At least yeah. we had that in Clerks too. So, mm-hmm. um, and then there's you know there's a lot of choices like we said. Let's I'm I'm gonna not give any spoilers whatsoever mm-hmm. um, uh, until we're doing the spoiler part and and we but we can kind of talk about naturally what beats you want to mention. But there are just a lot of choices here that are done for I guess the sake of keeping these characters kind of down and out mm-hmm. uh, and not letting them be too hopeful after the second movie, and then they just kind of fall off of a cliff after that and it just kind of gets more and more depressing so um yeah i i was just very disappointed all the way around this one. Oh yeah absolutely well said and sam uh as this is as you're wearing like your clerks three merch and your <laughs> uh, <laughs> sam. 
Uh, what (laughs) yes in your movie hat uh uh, how did you feel about clerks three okay so for the listening audience out there i have to admit me loving clerks three is kind of it's a bit that i'm doing i (laughs) i don't i don't love this movie Hmm. um i admit that it's very flawed but it, it didn't make me homicidal like it did with matt and joe yeah um honestly i would be perfectly fine with this movie not existing and just thinking of clerks 2 as the end of dante and randall's story because it does end so beautifully Mm -hmm. but for what it is which is basically a fathom events bonus (laughs) fan film stretch to feature length i think clerks three is fine i mean like uh, the the jokes are are very clunky i think yeah it could have been interesting to see them go into pop culture a little bit more than they Mm -hmm. do because you know now so many film discussions happen online so it'd be kind of cool to see these nerdy characters actually taking uh you know pop culture conversations um you know face to face but they really don't do that very much there's a a a bit about cryptocurrency that's just not very funny Mm -hmm. you can you can kind of see uh smith struggling to be timely and relevant with the humor um i think also the idea of randall making a movie that is basically clerks is kind of interesting because it takes you back to what i imagine it was like for kevin smith to make clerks in 1994 but at the same time this isn't 1994 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so when they're acting like it's so wild for a movie to feature non-actors and (laughs) take place in a convenience store and to be this kind of slice of life they're like we can't possibly do that it's like (laughs) well you know there have been indie films like that obviously But it's really kind of more of a fantasy. It's saying that, you know, this is what it was like for Smith in 1994. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you don't, if you're not a Kevin Smith fan, I'm not sure that that would really work um, for you all that well. Um, Now it sounds like I don't even like the movie, so I'm struggling (laughs) to... um, (laughs) Basically, you don't. Okay, so I will say, I think Jeff Anderson seems like he's giving it his all as Randall. Um, I do think that uh, there is some genuine heart between him and Dante. You can kind of, you know, their friendship feels lived in. You can feel Mm -hmm. the weight of it, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I don't want to get into spoilers, but I think... Mm -hmm the the revelation of the final film um in the end is very heartfelt and it, i mean it's basically it's a total 
indulgent fantasy from Kevin Smith. I mean, yeah. this is this is him basically kind of celebrating himself and mm-hmm. his own career. But he's so you know earnest about it and so sweet about it that it doesn't come across as arrogant, at least to me. Um, so that's that's my ringing endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> Some, um, some might use the word pandering. Sam. <laughs> yeah, well, your mom. <laughs> uh, yeah, that it does feel like nostalgia porn in self-indulgence by Kevin Smith, which, hey, you know, I, fine, whatever. If he wants to if he wants to just like ex- express himself, his nostalgia for the beginning of his career and everything fine that's that's fine but i do agree i i definitely agree that he struggles so much with the kind of modern pop culture stuff and that makes me wonder like one of the things i was kind of wondering is is there a place for kevin smith-esque dialogue in today's like pop culture world because like one of the one of the things, at least for me, um, with Clerks back in 1994, when I saw it in like 96 or 97 or probably closer to 99, um, was that like so much of it is this this witty, uh, witty kind of dialogue based humor about pop culture and like fringe pop culture of the time, like nerd culture and everything. Now that that nerd culture is mainstream and it is like this is like before you know we had like multiple multiple like dozens of superhero movies that all culminate in like a huge event film thing Mm -hmm. um to have now these same characters going through and talking about pop culture, it feels just watered down because the pop culture that they're referring to, that that they're joking about, that they're talking about in earnest is stuff that like we as like people that are plugged into pop culture have been having these conversations in the mainstream for years. And it just feels very bland and watered down and tired when he does it in this movie. And that was a huge, huge kind of, barrier of entry for me in this movie because it just it didn't ring true at all for me yeah well he goes after the most obvious discussions that people are having like you know there's there's a line about um you know it's hopeful luke skywalker not get off my lawn luke skywalker from the last jedi it's like yeah (laughs) if you're a nerd that's probably the millionth time you've heard that oh yeah And, you yeah. know, there's another joke about the the kind of on-the-nose shot of the rat at the end of The Departed. Oh, it's like, yeah. well, yeah, that's the, you know, that's <laughs> the billionth time I've heard that criticism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it would be, I wish he didn't go after the, the most kind of obvious, yeah. you know, jabs that people are making. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the... The, the thing about that, that's the thing about Kevin Smith, you're kind of hitting on a good point too. Um, is that when clerks came out, it wasn't cool to like things like superhero movies, right. it wasn't you know, it wasn't a thing like we didn't have those, we had Batman and that's it, yeah. And even then, it was like this different version of Batman that we were all just happy to have, yeah. And um, it, you know, and it was like 
he kind of us helped usher in that that new era you know i i was it's funny because um i i have a girlfriend who's younger than me and and she likes dc and i like marvel Mm -hmm. and you know and and she talks about how you know oh you like this marvel and everybody likes marvel it's not even cool and i was like look like (laughs) i'm the one who brought marvel to the forefront like my generation (laughs) brought marvel Mm -hmm. to the forefront like when i was a kid if you like spider-man like somebody's gonna beat you up you know yeah like if you're a teenager wearing a spider-man shirt you're gonna get beaten up and now here i am as an adult and Everybody wears all of this Avengers gear all the time. And mm-hmm. and and I think that's where he kind of went wrong is that he, you know, and whether it's his true belief or not, he kind of, you know, and, and he's been involved in some, you know, he was involved in Daredevil. He's been involved mm-hmm. in, you know, in a lot of the Marvel stuff. He had, he, if he would have came at Marvel with a kind of a controversial viewpoint, if he'd gone back and said, oh, you know, like Marvel sucks and, you know, and here's why. And, you know, that's, that would have been something it would have been a statement you know and and the stuff that in 94 through 2002 or whatever that felt like it felt like he was taking a stand on things you know see his comments about lando calrissian and you know mm-hmm. and and star wars in general making a you know reference to them being racist and, and aryan <laughs> and you know that that stuff was fun at the time and Oh, yeah. And now the, that's, you know, those, those two things that Sam, to be honest, you know, I'm what two or three weeks out of, of seeing this movie. And mm-hmm. those are the only two references I even remember. And I hardly remembered them until Sam even said them. I wouldn't have been able to come up with them on my own. <laughs> yeah. I, I just didn't care. So, yeah. yeah. So if there had been, if he had said something worth saying about those, it would have, it would have been something, you know, it, it could have been a, Hey, we real you know, like we created this and, mm-hmm. And look how terrible it's turned out. Now we have, you know, old man Captain America doing this and this <laughs> and this and, you know, Fat Thor and, you mm-hmm. know, like just make up stuff. Now it's now Marvel's or Marvel's every other movie and we hate it. You know, like yeah. they have to continually hate stuff. Um, so and even, you know, they could hate on the new Star Wars if they wanted. But yeah. it just it just felt so old. You know, when the, de- mm-hmm. the Departed come out it was like 2005, 2009, <laughs> you know, like, I think. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think um, some of these obvious jokes, kind of safe jokes that he's making, mm. come out of him not wanting to upset his fan base, which consists of, <laughs> um, you know, these uh, kind of lovable nerds who love these movies? Do you think mm-hmm. he's trying not to rock the boat too much, whereas in 1994 he had nothing to lose? For me, I kind of feel like it's more that he just doesn't have anything left to say. He doesn't, mm-hmm. he, you know, he's rich and famous now. He doesn't yeah. care. And, you know, when, when he was, when he was a teenager, that was his life, you know, was Star Wars and, you know, comic books and, you know, movies. It was just, that was his life. And now he's got a grown daughter and he's got mm-hmm. a, you know, a life and a wife and a, you know, a big house. And he had that heart attack and it's just like, he, and I, you know, and I can't blame him for, you know, for that. Like we've all grown up, but mm-hmm. It's got to, you know, he has to, he needs to say something about that. If that's what, you know, if that's all he's got left to say, that's what he should talk about. I, and, you know, and, yeah. and to your point, that's, he, he did in just the, the most surface level, low hanging fruit kind of way he could have. I absolutely agree with that. And I feel like that, I feel like that is what this movie probably should have been. Like it should have been trying to reconnect with that kind of fan passion 
that uh, that someone has with like their obsession with with something when their life has turned into something that is so far afield of what they what they molded their personality around. But yeah. instead, the damn movie is just Randall being the same person like mm-hmm. from before, even kind of just completely discarding all of the character work that went into Clerks 2. Um, mm-hmm. Like I think Sam said that uh, that it retcons the retcons Clerks too a little bit, and I would and and we'll talk more in specifics and spoilers, but I would wager to say that it it just undoes it it feels like he has a vendetta against his own movie in mm-hmm. that he just undoes so many things and then just retreads the same character beats and then it gets to a point where it's just, it just doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel natural yeah. at all. Um, yeah. and, and he does it within the same movie in this case. Yeah. You know, he, he basically has both of his characters kind of experience the same sort of things and, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, there's, and then there's, you know, to the point about the characterization being a little different, they, they should have been a little more mellow to each other. Yeah. You know, we, we don't have to get back to them, you know, being just like, snappy and witty back at each other especially yeah. you know when when it, you know it one of the two of them has undergone a pretty significant trauma mm-hmm. and you know the other is you know kind of less than completely let's say sympathetic to that you know at yeah. least in, in words i mean and it and it works with the character to a degree but also it seems like that's a you know this event would be kind of a changing thing for the relationship a little bit yeah yeah uh sam your defense (laughs) uh i think it'll be better maybe in spoilers yeah um so if (laughs) if you don't mind me uh continuing my my staunch defense i'm basically (laughs) just saying i i didn't like it either but not as much as you you guys (laughs) right uh yeah and we can slightly less (laughs) yeah we can dive into spoilers here in a second but um there are a couple of things in the movie that just i i just really really hated that we'll talk about in spoilers but one one thing that felt just so dumb and pointless is this very exaggerated lengthy audition scene with all of these like high profile uh cameos that just felt like it went on way too long and just mm-hmm. felt just so just uh it just it sucked it sucked um yeah. yeah that that was a big a big sticking point for me in the movie did you guys feel that at all um yeah, I don't think it'll be that much of a spoiler to say uh, Ben Affleck is in yeah. that uh, extended yeah. audition scene, and uh, he's really bad. Yeah, like like it's it's like cringy how bad mm-hmm. he is. And yeah. I'm a big fan of the show Impractical Jokers, and mm. I, I was kind of happy to see a few of them. But by the time they went through all four of the guys mm-hmm. i was mm-hmm. like all right is that just because you're in new jersey right now and yeah right. You know, that's where they film that show like that's when it got a little tired for me and yeah and um i guess it leads to the the joke that you know randall says you know oh, i'll i'll just you know play the mm-hmm. main character um and then he 
because that's a, that's a crazy thing to do. Yeah. Have yeah. a non-actor. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was awkward. I'll say for me, it, it probably bothered me less mm-hmm. just because I expected something like that. Oh, and I was yeah. just kind of like, whatever, you know, and they're just, okay, they're doing their bits. Oh, look, it's that guy. Oh, look, it's her. Wow. That's kind of fun. And then, you know, and then it's, you know, it kind of came and went and it, yeah. it was just not, yeah, it, it, I just cared so little by that point. It was just kind of like, eh, eh. And then there's more egregious yeah. things to come for me. I was oh. just like, well, oh, yeah. it's it, it sort of, it, it's sort of fitting. It's something he's done before, but mm-hmm. um, he just didn't. Again, it's it was just lazy as as everything yeah. else. Where it was just like, well, uh, you know, a couple of the, you know, there's Justin Long and there's Amy Sedaris that kind of pop mm-hmm. up at different points, and it's like, okay, that's kind of fun. And it's always kind of fun when you're watching a movie and you see some, you know, some tiny little role by you know coming from an actor that you knew, yeah. and he just kind of was like, ah, eh, screw it, I'm just gonna just throw him in as a bunch of headshots, and they're yep. just gonna be. You know, they're going to say the same line or whatever it was they did. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, you know, it, it was it was inoffensive, un, not funny, not no. interesting, but it was just like one of the less offensive things I think the movie did. Yeah, that's fair. I guess it made me appreciate Clerks 2 even more, mm-hmm. though, because, you know, with Clerks 3, like, you can really tell that this is all indulgent fantasy. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a very self-aware movie. Um, Like, it's basically about Kevin Smith. Whereas, uh, like I said before, Clerks 2 is like a genuine world that feels lived in with, you know, with, like, real characters and, and, uh, you know, you're it makes you focus on Dante and Randall, you know, not the, the guys from clerks. Right. It doesn't have, it doesn't have that kind of self-aware sort of meta quality that, Mm -hmm. um, this one goes after pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little too hard. You can, you can almost see the edges of the, of the sets and the boom mics, you know, in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, that's what it feels like. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, like you said, by comparison, those other movies they they feel like real worlds, and that was the strength of those movies. You mm-hmm. know, was that they were all you know before Marvel does that with every movie. Kevin Smith was doing that with all his movies, with ca- having yeah. characters who were interconnected, and you know the characters they talk about in one movie pop up in the next movie, and you know, and people cross over, and you know that's it was it was sort of a very very small blueprint for what Marvel would end up doing, but. um yeah, I and I don't know if it's that Kevin Smith doesn't recognize the impact he had on pop culture in that way, mm-hmm. or or what it is, but it you know it, it would have been again you know like I said it would have been more fun to me to see him attack that, yeah you know and kind of be like what did I do I ruined movies you know like who goes <laughs> the only thing we even do anymore is go to you know is go to Marvel movies you know it's like I don't I'm sick of seeing Spider Man on the screen already you know it's just. <laughs> You know, they it would have been it would have been much more interesting and fun for him to do something like that instead of just like, yeah, here's the thing I'm gonna do the same thing I did 20 years ago. Yeah, yep. 
just uh just very bad very bad movie um do you guys want to dive into spoilers for clerks three let's go i would die into spoilers movie for anybody who wants to hear (laughs) all righty well we're gonna go into spoilers for clerks three i'm gonna play a clip from the trailer uh check the show notes for timestamps if you want to skip over that or whatever but here's a clip from the trailer from clerks three and when we come back we will be spoiling the movie I need an ambulance at the quick stop. Saved my life, man. Wish I had a life worth saving. What are you talking about? Sit around and watch the same movies over and over. I always thought you could have made a cool movie. You're right. I'm living on borrowed time. No more watching movies. I'm gonna make a movie! What's the movie gonna be about? It's about him working here. Meta. Everything in the script is something either me or someone I know said. I'm not even supposed to be here today. So that was from the trailer of Clerks 3. Spoilers on. Um, I just want to say just up top that I hated the repetition of like the lines from Clerks, the references to Clerks. Mm-hmm. It was way too just surface level and, and dumb. But mm-hmm. I would say one of the one of, if not the most egregious and just ass backwards thing that this movie does is kills Becky. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a level of cruelty and undoing of Clerks 2, and in particular yeah. uh, Dante's growth in Clerks 2, that does mm-hmm. not, in my opinion, have any like any connection to an organic way to tell a story for this for this movie. I don't understand the point of it. Uh, how did you guys feel about that? It was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was stupid. It, it didn't. There, there was no, there was no reason for it. No, mm. narratively speaking, there was no need to do that. Um, I don't know. Maybe she had other commitments, but she was in the movie still enough that that was my it, that, whole that, thing. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Like, if she's not available for the movie, all right. Well, that at least makes sense. But yeah, you know, she's in the movie. She's got two or three scenes. You just give her those scenes, and she yeah. just, you know, maybe she only works in on you know on certain days, and she's yeah. not there. You know, it just it doesn't. Yeah, it just doesn't matter that she's dead. Yeah, and it doesn't. Other than you know, he, you know, he needs to be sad. You mm-hmm. know, it's like Dante's got to be sad. So yeah, here we go. So we got to take away his happiness. Like, and it, it just yeah, and like you said, it just feels cruel and mm-hmm. mean. And and Randall is not particularly sad about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's just like, hey, she's dead. Get over it. Yeah, you know? and it's like, Ugh. that sucks. That's that's horrible. Like, that just cements him as the worst friend ever. You yeah. Know, it's like, oh yeah. Oh, your wife died. I don't care. Right. How does that affect me? It, exactly. <laughs> Ugh. Sam, well, what did you think? Well, it's frustrating because Smith is clearly capable of creating organically poignant moments, mm-hmm. and it's just totally inorganic. And um the only part of it that i guess i sort of enjoyed was uh, i think you see her um like obituary or something and it says like 1979 to 2006 and Mm -hmm. it's like a reference to the song 1979 which played Uh in the movie yeah and it plays in clerks too and it's my all-time favorite song and i was like i was like oh well that's nice and I kind of enjoyed that, but, um, (laughs) bunch of bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I did not make that connection. That that sums it all. 
Sorry, I was just oh, going to yeah. say that that sums it all up is me saying <laughs> it was kind of nice yeah. and then Joe saying bunch of bullshit. <laughs> exactly. It the thing about that is like okay, at, when it when it's introduced, like it's one of the opening shots as we see like the like the not even the obituary, just like the um pamphlet from the from the funeral and we're like, oh, "Okay, so she's dead." Okay, well that's fucking weird. Um, Mm -hmm. now let's laugh our asses off at some really good comedy from this fucking guy. But, um, but then it's not until like maybe 30, 40 minutes into the movie when we have that very weird out of place, in my opinion, cemetery scene where, uh, he's talking to her like ghost or a vision of her, like having a conversation Mm -hmm. in his head, whatever. Um, and that's when we, that's when I realized, like I had to pause the movie because I was just fucking angry as hell that not only is she dead but she died like soon after clerks 2 while she was pregnant with their kid and Mm -hmm. like i don't understand what the fuck he was going for with that like yeah i like that that just feels so unnecessary and there are ways to kind of do that level of tragedy i guess yeah but to have it be something that's like, oh yeah, she's dead. By the way, oh by the way, you know they're unborn kid. They're it's dead too. So you know, <laughs> like what the fuck? It it just felt yeah. just so. It felt like it felt like Smith was trying to go for something with much more, much more depth than he is, than he's capable of bringing to a movie. <laughs> and it just yeah. he shat the bed with it. I I hated it mm-hmm. so much. Which is weird because he is a father. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you would you would think that he could have brought some of his his life experience and had a subplot involving Dante becoming a father, but yeah. I guess he thought yeah. that Dante becoming a father would kind of take away from this idea that he and Randall are in arrested development, but mm-hmm. they're really not because they no. grew in the second one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like I don't know. It's weird. It's like, can they not grow for a Clerks <laughs> three movie to exist? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My my question is, what is it that we're supposed to be hoping for for Dante? Yeah. You know that the the movie seems to want us to be rooting for him to move on mm-hmm. from her, but she still is such a presence there, and mm-hmm. it's it's kind of this constant reminder of like, Oh, remember that last movie when he met this really great girl that he fell in love with and they were going to be together forever. And as it turns out, they were together a few months and then she yeah. died tragically. And there's his daughter died. You know, and then yeah. as you said, like, Hey, here's some wacky comedy. Yeah. Enjoy, you know, uh. and, and it's, that's not, that doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't yeah. work like that. It just, that falls flat and it's, and it's terrible and it's kind of, cruel in a you know in a way yeah. um in a lot of ways but oh yeah um yeah it's and Ugh. and yeah it's years later for these characters but mm-hmm. not for us you know right. so it, you know it, it's not like we can be like yeah he's clearly doing something wrong mm-hmm. we're just kind of rooting for him to find something to make him happy but here he is stuck in this dead-end job with mm-hmm. this dick that continually <laughs> rags yeah. on him He's got these this weird ass Satanist dude that's mm-hmm. you know that pops in and people are stealing his shit all the time and you know 
like whatever he his his only source of joy is the same thing that was his source of joy the 30 years prior when he was playing hockey on the roof yep which by the way is really dangerous and they probably shouldn't be doing that <laughs> right too damn um, old yeah plus and this is this is just a this is just throwing just throwing arrows at the movie anyway but uh that whole like the opening the opening sequence of the movie is like a full like it's a full music video for uh oh my god my chemical romance like it is the full song that <laughs> montage just read like redoing shit that we saw in the first two movies mm-hmm. and it's just like okay uh, all right this is already off to a, a a bad start because i'm just not engaged with it um yeah yeah, yeah. um but I do appreciate that the movie, and sense my tone, um, <laughs> that the movie does uh, does give Dante a nice full arc, and he's able to uh, overcome his you know his grief for his dead dead wife and and uh, unborn child, and is able to finally move on from you know that state of arrested development. <laughs> Except he's not because he just dies, and it's. Like what the yes. fuck ever? Like okay. Yeah. I mean, he does like bang his ex girlfriend. Like yeah, that's growth. Is it growth <laughs> yeah. moving back thirty years in life? Right. <laughs> but then he just died. So yeah. So so if you're keeping count at home, Randall has a heart attack mm-hmm. and is like, I'm going to change my life, and he makes this movie so then we get this midsection that's sort of like that one part from zach and mary mm-hmm. and then dante ha- has a heart attack but guess what he dies yep and everybody's crying at the end and like randall's hard crying the end yeah <laughs> it's like it's <sighs> like that it's like that alternate ending to dodgeball when uh when the average joe's team loses i don't know huh. if you guys ever saw that deleted no. scene there's a deleted scene where um, instead of all the crap they did at the end of dodgeball with like mm-hmm. the, the blindfolds and the, you know, yeah. they just have been or Ben Affleck's character, not Ben, Ben uh, Stiller's character hits mm-hmm. Ben Spawn's character just hits him like out of nowhere and he loses. And then just like <laughs> fades to black credits, it, you know, like the, the Cobras are the, the purple Cobras are celebrating average Joe's are like, what happened? Fade to black <laughs> credits. And I was like, that would have been a great ending. That would have been awesome. But, yeah. But yeah, this on the other hand just isn't it's just depressing and no. you know it's it's horrible yeah um so uh <laughs> i would Sorry, say man. that no no <laughs> i i think it's if it's okay i think it's a good point for me to come in yeah because i don't think the ending is completely horrible okay uh, um <clears throat> so what i imagined when i heard that this was that clerks three was going to be about them making a movie that was basically clerks. Mm -hmm. I was instantly worried because it just sounded like a bad idea and kind of a bad retconning of clerks two, which was about them kind of embracing this seemingly dead end job and realizing that it's not a dead end job. And I think there's something sweet in that. Yeah. Um, you know, Clerks 3 uh, uh, from the beginning seemed to suggest that, oh, no, they needed to have a dream job. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it, in Clerks and Clerks 2, 
it never seemed like Randall really wanted to be a filmmaker. I mean, no. yeah, he talked about movies, but right. Clerks 3 seems to suggest that he was always destined to make a movie, and I thought that was a little strange. But anyway, um, man, it really takes me a long time to get to my defense of this movie. <laughs> um but uh, anyway, uh, what I imagined was it ending with them at some kind of Sundance-esque film festival mm. and watching the movie. And I thought, oh, well, that'd be kind of sweet and neat. Yeah. And it doesn't do that, but it does have kind of an interesting ending. When Randall shows Dante the movie, it's basically like a fantasy version of the movie. It's like an ideal version of what he wanted the movie to be, which is basically the original clerks. And you see scenes from the original clerks. You know, you don't see Randall and Dante as they are now. You see them back in 1994 and you think like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. It's like, you know, Smith breaking the fourth wall and basically celebrating clerks. Um so I, I kind of liked that. Um, did Dante have to die? I really <laughs> wish he hadn't. Yeah. Because that is like such a huge bummer. It's like. Yeah. But at the same time, it works with that fantasy level of Dante kind of seeing his life flash before his eyes. And it's this like kind of fantasy version of the movie that Randall made. Um I don't think it's great, but I think it's interesting. I think it gets you kind of warmly nostalgic about the first two Clerks movies, which is, you know, probably the whole point of this one um, as just sort of a film exercise. Um, it's a really weird movie. Um, yeah. And I'm not really sure exactly why kevin smith made it it's a very dark um it's, it's a dark movie for a guy who had a heart attack to make you would think yeah. it would be a yeah. you would think it would be a little more life affirming mm -hmm. um but you know uh, oh and that was another thing i was going to mention so it ends with Randall saying, you know, you've all, you've always been the, the hero of my life. And that's mm -hmm. why you're the main character of this movie. Mm -hmm. Another weird thing for him to realize right before Dante dies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, if he is the hero of the clerks trilogy, you know, why not end with him living? I don't know. I'd have a lot of questions for Kevin Smith. Yeah. I think, I think that this movie is, you know, honestly, I found it perfectly watchable, like I said, as kind of a fathom events, mm -hmm. um, uh, self-celebration. Mm -hmm. I also think it's weird that he's making these fathom event movies. Yeah. Um, you know, I think sure. he just can't get distribution for his movies anymore. That's, <laughs> oh. that's the, that's the, you know, the, the conclusion I've drawn because, Yoga Hosers was the same way. Jay mm -hmm. and Silent Bob reboot was the same way, I think, too. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, that, that's kind of how I took it, was just that these movies have just been so bad that this is all they'll do is give them this, like, limited little thing. But, yeah, I mean, with so many streaming services now, like, why even mm -hmm. do that? Just, you know, 
Yeah. So somebody would probably, I mean, unless nobody wanted it, but <laughs> it seems like there's, it seems like there's an audience for it, enough of an oh, audience yeah. for it that, you know, you could at least make it and put it out there. Yeah. I think the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is like one of the highest or something like that. Like the, it's, well, they, I know their ads keep touting it. It's like 85% audience yeah. score, which, which seems pretty optimistic to me. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, and I I did kind of appreciate, or I I did find some slight, like, emotional resonance with the ending where you see dead Dante and dead dead Becky watching clerks and then leaving. Like that that's kind of that's kind of sweet. That's kind of nice, but it just it doesn't it doesn't gel with me for the whole movie yeah. or anything it just yeah it, yeah, it also doesn't sucks. really resonate with like it's something that would be true to these characters no. you know that religion doesn't seem something you know that the idea of an afterlife doesn't seem like something that they would be all that interested in exploring or discussing yeah and, oh yeah and, and it's almost like a sentiment to to excuse it to you know to yep you know to justify these narrative choices that they're making yeah well, she appreciates the afterlife because you can have sex with celebrities there. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Which, yeah, which is like, <laughs> hey, by the way, I'm dead, and but I'm still having sex with lots of people who aren't you. Yeah. So that's that's a, always a promising thing to say. I mean, all, obviously, he was very, like, into that. He was like, oh, mm-hmm. wow, that's cool. Like, oh, really? Like, I, I can't, what she, like, said she had sex with Abraham Lincoln or something, like, <laughs> something weird, and, you know, it was just like, Oh, okay. Well, that's mm-hmm. that's an interesting take, I guess. <laughs> it was also weirdly like racial in that scene without being mm-hmm. too like commenting on it. Like she she's yeah. like names all of these like people of color that are dead. Mm-hmm. And then like she like there's even a gag where it's like, oh, and also George Washington, Carver, because you know I love peanut butter. And like That's true. It just it feels like it felt weird, and my biggest hang-up with that is that it just didn't feel like that scene didn't need that, because in the moment, with me, I'm still catching up with the fact that he killed off the fucking, the yeah. the unborn baby and everything. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, I, like, I'm still like, okay, I'm not ready to laugh at some stupid sex humor stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still catching up with the shit that you're yeah. throwing at me. Mm-hmm. it feels like the whole movie is this kind of weird fever dream that he mm-hmm. had while he was recovering from a heart attack <laughs> yeah. uh kevin smith like it, yeah. it get like it's oddly dark um mm-hmm. but at the same time it gets like um kind of outlandishly uh sentimental mm-hmm. with this kind of heavenly presentation of clerks um you know i don't know was that his point like this is the clerks three i imagined in my sort of near-death experience like yeah uh, i don't know yeah well yeah and you know that's that is a that is an you know an interesting point you guys (laughs) because yeah because it's it's almost just like he's laying in bed and he has that dream and then he just writes that dream down and then it's like time to make the movie and they're like this pretty much sucks and he's like look like this is what the mo- i can't help what the dream was i can't help what i did yeah you know like you want me to change it like that wouldn't be on it <laughs> you know it's like how about you know we call that a second draft you know it's like <laughs> yes. you have this idea for a movie that sucks 
you know, like you have a good idea, but then the movie sucks. Like you just change it a little bit. Yeah. Come up with, oh yeah. You know, and and there was there, and again, it would have been if if they're going to explore these themes, they could have connected a little more overtly with dogma too than they did. Yeah. So, oh yeah. Um, that that would have been a that would have been a fun thing to you know to to do before mm-hmm. you know before I go back and and say oh they don't care about the afterlife or religion but then they did a whole movie about it but you know it seeing as how maybe they could have you know seeing as how it's connected to the rest of the Ask universe they could have brought mm-hmm. that up and, and had that as a as a major plot point you know yeah. and, that's interesting joe and it makes me wonder like if you're gonna go meta and self-indulgent with it why not go like all the way like mm-hmm. yeah bring back matt damon and, and ben yeah. affleck's characters like yeah. make it just completely meta mm-hmm. um I, I feel like i would have like that would have been cooler than this sort of like half sincere yeah. sequel kind of half meta thing and maybe he just didn't have the budget for that i don't know uh, but yeah. that would have been interesting if his clerks three was this just kind of wild self-indulgent fantasy that like an mcu movie just brought together <laughs> all of his characters yeah, yeah. Okay. and it would have said something you know it would have yeah. it would have been some sort of a statement yeah yep. and not just like hey remember when i had that heart attack which by the way he mentions just about every damn day you know? <laughs> like like and i'm talking about real life you know mm-hmm. if you follow him on social media it's like every other week it's like well, when I had my Widowmaker heart attack Jeez. and almost died, I decided that I was going to just embrace life. And <laughs> I lost 70 pounds or whatever, you know, which is mm-hmm. awesome for you, yeah. man. Like, great. I'm happy for you. But, you know, let's let's say something else. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, I don't really have much else to say about Clerks 3. I, I just really hated it. Um, Like I said in non-spoiler, I'm I'm... I'm done with Kevin Smith. I just have no enthusiasm for his work. And it's interesting because I feel like his, his output, the growth of him as a filmmaker, I kind of feel like he has had like certain, certain like climbs and then downfalls, like backslides. Like he, like when he did, he went, I think it was, he went from clerks to mall rats and then to chasing Amy yeah like yeah, those are the first three yeah like chasing amy i haven't seen it in a while but like that is like one of the like best romantic comedies i've ever seen and it is mm-hmm. so like serious yeah. about like mm-hmm. relationships and like 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 interpersonal relationships romantic relationships platonic relationships all of this and then we get like like jane silent bob strike back which is which is fun for what it is but mm-hmm. Then eventually we get Jane Son Bob reboot, which is another just masturbatory, just mm-hmm. bullshit movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then like when he tried to kind of transition into kind of doing more horror stuff, like Red State is pretty solid, pretty good, pretty entertaining, very bleak and, and disturbing. Um, and then he makes Tusk, which for me is a freaking train wreck and just Mm-hmm. Ugh, I, I don't know it's just i'm i'm done trying to trying to be trying to retain a fandom for kevin smith yeah um he's yeah he's you know he's talked about making mall rats too mm-hmm. and if he does i'll probably see it 
Um, I won't have mm-hmm. a great deal of enthusiasm for it. I'll probably watch yeah. it and be like, you know, I I feel like he's just out of things to say. Yeah. And, you know, that's just that's just how I feel about it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I pretty much agree. You know, I, I think I, I think Dogma is his best movie personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I enjoy Chasing Amy. It's it's flawed. There mm-hmm. are some it's, but at the same time, it's a portrait of people who are young and immature trying to grow and. You know, they're the. I, I always feel like that last, that solution for the problem in chasing Amy, is completely ridiculous. Oh yeah. And 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 it's, you know, and it, it doesn't make sense. And it's mm-hmm. you know, and but it it does seem like the thing that a couple of dumb guys in their early twenties would do mm-hmm. would say like, this is how we're going to solve this problem. <laughs> yeah. And and then it's going to completely not work. But. Mm-hmm that you know that that's at least true in some sense you know mm-hmm. that there, there's some honesty there yeah. um but um yeah i i feel like dogma is his best movie and then mm-hmm. and then it just kind of that was the peak and it just kind of trickled down you know zach and mary is pretty and i and i don't know some of the um the the chronology of it necessarily oh, i don't yeah. remember you know if zach and mary comes before red state i think it does but you know if it so, does yeah. it's like okay but it's it's a step down and and then you know it's and then red state to me is probably another step down but it's still Mm -hmm. there's entertainment value to it and it's again is a very good idea that he executed the way he executed and then like you said tusk was just you know in a time when there were three human centipede movies (laughs) and you know many other movies of similar you know premises that was probably the worst of them (laughs) And yeah, and th- this is you know if it's not rock bottom, it's it's pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's right there with Yoga Hosers, and um, and I didn't even watch all of Jay and Silent Bob reboot, mm-hmm. but I watched the first couple minutes of it and knew that it wasn't going to be for me, yeah. so I just kind of let it go. But um, yeah, I, I just I just kind of feel like I I almost owe it to him to watch his movies. You know, mm-hmm. he he's given us so much you know, solid entertainment. He's changed the film industry, you know, better or worse, you know, but he has. And I feel like I kind of owe it to him, but it's very much an obligation to watch. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sam kind of, I guess, final thoughts on clerks three and Kevin Smith. Sure. Um, uh, I, you know, I don't <laughs> think Mallrats is a great is a great movie to revisit. Mm. I mean, I love Mallrats. I just, uh, I don't think him revisiting it is oh, a great yeah. idea. Um, but uh, like Joe, I feel that kind of sense of obligation. I'll undoubtedly see whatever he does next. I guess at the end of all of his movies, even if they don't, uh even if they're not great, I just go like, well, he's a sweet guy. <laughs> um, I guess that's kind of my reaction. To, yeah. You know, even, even a disappointment. So, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I mean, I think clerks three uh, for me was a pleasant experience. Mm-hmm. I saw it with, uh, you know, my lady Jen mm-hmm. and she has the same sort of sentimental attachment to Smith that I do. And, I saw it with uh, our friend and fellow mm-hmm. IFJ member Mitch, and I don't know. It was it was a pleasant, you know, movie going experience. Nice. Um, but 
Yeah, a, definitely a weird movie, but you know, got us thinking, got us talking. Mm-hmm. So five stars. <laughs> well, there you have it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, I gave it half a star. I wrote a review on on uh, Obsessive Viewer. I'll put links to all that stuff in the show notes. Um, that'll do it for our review of Clerks 3. And Sam, you're going to abandon us now, correct? <laughs> yeah, I can't take any more. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm kidding. I just haven't seen Blonde. Yeah. So I will, yeah. I'll let you guys uh, trash that. Have, nice. have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, before you leave, could you tell people where they can find you online and, and your work and everything? Sure. Uh, you can find me, my writing at MidwestFilmJournal.com. Uh, the latest thing I did was a, a retrospective essay on the original Nightmare on Elm Street, nice. uh, which is for uh, Midwest Film Journal's uh, latest series about the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. <laughs> uh, it's a fun series. I recommend you check it out. You can also find me at Letterboxd at Sam Movie Man, uh, Facebook, Sam Watermeyer, and uh, Instagram, which I think is Watermeyer Sam. Um, so, yeah, there nice. you go. Pleasure talking to you guys. <laughs> Pleasure enjoy talking you about, uh Enjoy talking about Blonde. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, take care. See you, you Sam. See you later. All right, and now we're going to kind of close out the episode with a probably brief review of Blonde, uh, which is hitting Netflix next Wednesday uh, from when you're listening to this. I think I'm posting this tomorrow. Um, But it's hitting Netflix on September 28th. The plot summary, courtesy of IMDb, is a fictionalized chronicle of the inner life of Marilyn Monroe, uh, directed uh, and written by Andrew Dominic, and it's adapted from a screen uh, from from a novel by Joyce Carol Oates. Of course, it stars Anna Diarmas, Adrian Brody, Bobby Cannavale, 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 um, and a bevy of other uh, actors um, in the cast. So, Joe. How did you feel going into Blonde and what did you think of the overall experience of the movie? Mm-hmm. And uh I, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I was gonna say I'm I was I don't know, optimistic to mm-hmm. to see it. It's it's an intriguing idea to make a movie about her. Um I think there's a lot to say about Marilyn Monroe. Um that I don't think there has been a major motion picture, you know, directly addressing her. Mm-hmm. Um, up to this point, maybe there has been. I'm sure. I mean, there's obviously been a hundred sort of like off-center depictions of you know the fame that she achieved. Her yeah. story is kind of the she's kind of the poster child for you know the this the burning out star and yeah. you know of course the Elton John song and you know mm-hmm. like she she was very much used and abused her entire life by Hollywood and by others and um, but. You know, as a film, to be the one to depict that, this I found this one very lacking, just very lacking in so many levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did too. I kind of found it. I I didn't really have much interest in it, to be honest. Um, before seeing the first teaser trailer, um, because mm-hmm. I I'm kind of getting away from really any interest in like kind of biopics and and like celebrity biopics because it just feels like it's very much catering to award season Mm -hmm. and it just doesn't feel like it's 
it's ever anything too original. And when I saw the teaser trailer for this or the original trailer, I realized like, oh, this this looks like it could be pretty original. This could be an interesting uh, kind of fever dream-esque take on um, a biopic. And it is, but it also doesn't connect with me really at all it just it felt like the the visual styles were like the different like just abstract kind of visualizations felt just almost gratuitous in a in Mm -hmm. a sense uh to where yeah like they were they were just it was like uh i think you, you said before we started recording it's just like look at look at how how interesting we can make this movie look how look how pretty this can be Mm -hmm. um and it just really wore thin and especially for a movie that's over two and a half hours long jesus yeah dragged (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah um also like do could you figure out because like i I can't, I haven't really looked into it exactly if there's, it's been said, said why they chose to do black and white and color. Um, but like I had, I, I messaged, uh, or texted, um, our colleague from the IFJ and, and, uh, friend Ben Sears, Mm -hmm. I'd asked him like, like what was the point of changing from black and white to color throughout the movie? Because I couldn't figure out, like, I couldn't tell, like, why, like, what that was. Could you detect anything or figure anything out from that? I I couldn't. Uh, and I don't know that there is any necessarily any rhyme or reason to it. Okay. Um, Because everything, I mean, everything in the movie, it would be one thing if it was, you know, the, the, the happy moments are in color mm-hmm. and the sad moments are in black and white. But yeah there were not very many happy moments. There really you know, weren't. They were all fleeting. And yeah, and they were not in color necessarily the parts no. that were good so, yeah yeah i mean the the this movie is basically just a series of terrible things that happened to mm-hmm. her and and they very much skip around like something something moderately good happens to her mm-hmm. and then something terrible happens as a result of it yeah and then we just skip ahead to some other random point Mm-hmm. To where the same thing sort of happens, you know. She yep. she meets a famous person that she falls in love with. She meets, you know, Joe DiMaggio, who, mm-hmm. although he's, uh, and I'm sitting here looking at the IMDb cast list, and it's yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't realize that none of them are named. Yeah, you know, Bobby Cannaval is playing the ex-athlete who is yeah. very obviously Joe DiMaggio. Right. I mean, she's Marilyn Monroe. They very mm-hmm. obviously are referring to her. Yeah. Uh, Arthur Miller is the the, the playwright. playwright, and then there's the president who yeah. is very obviously supposed to be Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the only person that really has a name is Norma Jean, you yeah. know, slash Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. And they call they refer to her by both names regularly yeah. through the movie, um, and she adopts this really creepy sort and it this really creepy habit of calling them all daddy yes which yeah which which is which is a not too subtle nod at at the rest you know the the driving force of this movie which is her the absence of her father yeah um her mother was mentally ill Mm -hmm. and tried to like tried to drown her in the bathtub early Mm -hmm. you know so that's the first thing we see is marilyn monroe almost being drowned in the bathtub as a child by her mom and it's and you know and there's just this lie about her dad as a famous actor and he's mm-hmm. you know and she gets these mysterious letters that are supposed to be from him 
that it's it's just the whole thing is just so weird and yeah. it's just so bizarre and it doesn't it doesn't make sense there's no payoff to it no. any of the things that happen yeah. and you know it's and it's and it's not even that you know the, i mean this is this is supposed to be a tragedy obviously mm-hmm. you know she's you know she was the most famous person in the world for many years and she was a huge movie star but she was very unhappy mm-hmm. and we don't see any of the depictions of that other than you know she has a house she has yeah. you know we you know we we get those hints that you know she's underpaid because they've you know they locked her into this contract for multiple years and there's mm-hmm. just like all these little things like that about how they you know basically the world screwed her over and the the one thing that occurred to me as I was watching this is that Marilyn Monroe is sort of like the 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 prototype the the prime example of how we as a society have failed mm-hmm. to, you know when it comes to our celebrities how we have how we give them this fame and then we delight in tearing them down which you know again this yeah. is the big lesson of her life and this is not a new idea i mean no. you know elton john sang about it everybody who's ever written about marilyn monroe has, has written about it but there's not enough of that in this movie to to no. point the finger at us you know for not for allowing this to happen and also that we kind of perpetuated this you know she's kind of i, I was just thinking like man she's the poster child for me too Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that is obvious, but it's just sort of like, here's a bad thing that happens. Yeah. Here's another bad thing that happens. Here's another bad thing that happens. Yep. And, yep. you know, and it's like, look at all these, look at all this bad luck she's having, <laughs> you know, and, and, and there's just not enough of a, you know, this is, this is our fault. And and yeah. if you're going to make a movie about her, that's going to be different. It has to have something like that. I feel like, you oh know, this yeah. Is, you know, we, we, this was she was the the blueprint that we then just did over and over and over mm-hmm. until finally you know five years ago or so somebody spoke up in such a way that they were actually heard yeah and, you know and you know so now things are kind of better but mm-hmm. also you know who knows if they actually are right exactly and that's the kind of thing that I, really perplexes me about this movie is that it is. It is tragedy porn. It is her just going through all of these horrific things, horrific events, like very bad things that happen um, without any payoff, without any without any seeming seemingly nuanced like characterization or anything with in regards to that or any any kind of. um. Oh God, I, I don't know like any kind of messaging in it, uh, except for what yeah. we can kind of put in or take from it. But mm-hmm. even worse than that is that it does all of this. It puts her through the ringer, shows us all of these horrific things. And then it seems to be just really like, while also doing that and showing like, Oh, look at how tragic this, this, this young woman was and how, how terrible her life was and everything. It does that while also seeming to only really, only really focusing on her her lack of a father figure in her life and her search for a father figure, and that feels yeah. just so reductive. And mm-hmm. it seems like it is way, way oversimplifying uh, a, the complexity of the character. And there are moments where she 
where like when the when the when she's at like the acting circle thing and she yeah. is giving these performances she's like looking into herself she's using her past experiences to give mm-hmm. like very good performances and like show that she yeah. can act very well and mm-hmm. like then like dropping like name dropping like uh, uh Nietzsche Nietzsche or or mm-hmm. um or Dostoevsky and everything showing that she is like well learned and well like well-read and then you know hollywood is just pigeonholing her into that but the movie only really goes for the daddy issue thing which just feels way way just oversimplified and gross Mm -hmm. um yeah 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 that that gross that that word gross and and the word reductive that you use those are both Mm -hmm. just perfect and and it's it's a tone deafness that kind of permeates the whole movie yeah. you know it's it's that because the 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 rising actions are always involve her meeting a man mm-hmm. and then the falling reactions almost always revolve around her losing that man in yep. some way and you know and that's just you know not good enough you know it's you know the the men are the ones who victimize her mm-hmm. over and over from you know the the beginning there's a there's you know and again we don't want to get I don't know how much how spoilery we can be with this movie. Yeah. I mean, here's the spoiler: she dies at the right. end. Like, you know, like this is. I mean, this is it seems like a natural endpoint. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, but it, you know, it's it's more about everything that goes along with it, and mm-hmm. you know, in that sense, there's just there's just so many things that they don't wrap up properly. You know, yeah. she has this kind of interesting relationship with charlie chaplin's son mm-hmm. and it's also weird because they refer to him as charlie chaplin's son um and i think they call him charlie chap do they call him charlie chaplin jr i don't remember i think so i, I don't remember yeah. if that's even his name but i think it is yeah yeah but they they like talk about it in this like there's a full scene devoted to them talking about mm-hmm. how this is his dad and people don't understand and it just seems weird that where they're using this anonymity for most of these side characters that mm-hmm. they would identify him that way um, but but she has this interesting sort of like thruple kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. It's like you know it's it's him and then this other guy and her all having a relationship together, mm-hmm. and then it just goes away. Yeah, it just stops with no explanation, and we move on to the next thing. You know, she's on a date mm-hmm. with with not Joe DiMaggio, right? You know, definitely <laughs> not Joe DiMaggio, and um, you know, it's just all. And, and I don't know that there's legal issues with that. You know, if they're yeah, playing know. a legal game where it's like, well, if it's not, don't use his name. Right. Um, obviously, <laughs> everyone knows the story and knows who he is. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, because there are some abuse things mm-hmm. that go on, you know, in this movie. Um, and then, you know, but then again, it just kind of balances to Arthur Miller next. And then yeah. they had a pretty good relationship that mm-hmm. then was, you know, this is when her drug issues start. And it's just, yeah. you know, we, we just don't, we don't explore any of these things. None of these no. scenes have time to breathe and give us any idea of anything. It's just sort mm-hmm. of, it's, it's kind of just a, a movie where you're just watching it and it's like, boy, look at all these terrible, Oh, that's terrible. This happened. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. This happened to her. But then it's like, what's the theme here though? <laughs> right. and, and it's like oh the theme is her daddy issues and it's like well yeah. no it's the theme that that all of these men exploited these daddy issues mm-hmm. to you know to get what they wanted to you know to to satisfy their desires and yeah. not you know and not treat her in, in a good way and yeah. there's a good story to tell there it's just that you know this this guy is 
evidently not the person to tell that story. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we can we can dive into a pretty brief spoiler section because, like you said, there's sure. not really much to say. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and play a clip from the trailer, and then we'll we'll spoil Blonde. So stay tuned for that. Here's a clip from the trailer. On the hand. How'd you get your start? Maybe what start? In movies. Quite continental. But diamonds are a girl's best friend. I guess I was discovered. Men broke home as girls. I know you're supposed to get used to it. And we all lose our jobs in the end. But I just can't. So, spoilers on for Blonde. And, you know, in talking about the three the kind of three main um, relationships that are depicted, the Charlie Chaplin Jr. Thruple thing, Joe DiMaggio mm. and Arthur Miller, I kind of feel like that is, I feel like maybe the intention of the movie is to show like different stages of her growth in relationships. Like mm-hmm. the, the Thruple is her kind of sexual awakening, I guess. And yeah. then... Joe DiMaggio is more of a kind of a, a conservative sort of like, like, uh, first, like maybe like first, like for lack of a better word, mature relationship. Um, and then, and then the one with the playwright with Arthur, Arthur Miller. That's right. Yeah. Arthur Miller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that I not necessarily sure. I I don't know. Maybe it's, I, I don't know because it gets so bogged down in the daddy issues part of it that I feel like there's mm-hmm. a much, uh, there is any number of much richer ways to kind of tell, tell her story in, uh, in any kind of way that's interesting rather than yeah. this kind of mess. Yeah. 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 To, to me, it was, it was sort of that by the time she met him, because he, Arthur Miller's, you know, is depicted in this movie was sort of a loving husband. Yeah. He was, he cared about her. He even, you know, he, he was bragging, you know, he, there's a scene where he's on the phone talking to his friends, trying to get them to come visit. And he's like, Oh, she's just the nicest person in the world. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine. She's so much different than my previous wife. Like I couldn't imagine her yeah. you know, even thinking of something mean, much less saying it. And then, but then somehow their marriage still failed. And, and the, yeah. you know, I, I think, if you know if I, if i'm drawing a conclusion myself it's that she was already so used up in that way she was you know she was strung out on drugs and you know she just couldn't yeah she couldn't function in that relationship because of that and but instead they they sort of hint that it's just she just needs her daddy yeah you know, all she needs is her daddy and you know and and then the fact that she you know you know calls them all daddy is mm-hmm. it is also troubling in that way, but yeah. I don't know that we're supposed to pick up on that. It just sort of creeps me out personally. Yeah. You know, I don't know that, that it's that the director necessarily thinks that's a sweet mm-hmm. thing or a weird thing. I don't know. Yeah. But it I... just doesn't land in any real way. There's right. no cohesion to any of it. And it's, um, it's it's a big shame. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Ana de Armas gives she does give a good performance. She does, yeah. And, 
and and they're very good actors. You know, like mm-hmm. we said, Bobby Cannavale has, has done a lot of really good things. Yep. Um, Adrian Brody plays Arthur Miller, which is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't even gotten to the segment with JFK, which is, um, yeah, sort of disturbing. Yeah. Um, you know, but but again, is presented in in such a way that it's just it's just vague enough that it doesn't mm-hmm. really take a stand on it. Yeah. It, I guess, I guess if we're spoiling, we can just spoil yeah. that. Scene, right? oh, yeah. I think where basically she is, you know, there's a single scene and she, and she goes to, to meet him um, in a hotel and there's mm-hmm. all the secret service around and um, he's laying in bed talking to, I don't know who he's talking to. Yeah. Um, he's like doing like president business. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's very, yeah, it's very obviously like regular presidential business. Yeah. He's not like, talking to a buddy. Mm-hmm. He's doing, you know, performing his job. And she very, uh, you know, self-consciously before is talking to the secret service agents in the, in the elevator. And it's like, Oh, our relationship's not sexual. He's just right. like a good friend. And then she walks, he, she walks in the door and the first thing he says, Oh, I'm so glad you're here. It's been such a day. Mm-hmm. And and what he really wants is for her to just tug him off, basically, yeah. and it's what she does. But then, you know, he's at the same time like he's doing this business, and then he's like, "Don't be, don't be shy now. Don't mm-hmm. uh, he don't I, he has, he uses a different word than shy, but it's like, yeah. uh, you know, don't you know, basically like, come on, you know, get at it. And then he basically yeah. forces her mouth down on him. Yeah, and you know, and and it's just sort of like. It's it's disturbing in a way, mm-hmm. um, but you know, again, the the presentation of it is is just vague enough, so maybe as to avoid a you know some sort of big ugliness. You know, it's mm-hmm. it, it's just it just all strikes me as just kind of pandering and and weird, and it it should mm-hmm. it that should that scene should have meant a lot more than than I think it did, and Absolutely. and I think there are legal issues, there are legal hurdles maybe because of that. Mm-hmm. That I could imagine, but uh, you know, and also our view of you know previously beloved historical figures, which you mm-hmm. know this the you know this story, Marilyn Monroe's story, is, is sort of a takedown of them anyway. Yeah, and you know this movie would be more of that, mm-hmm. um, but they don't, you know, they don't really, you know, bother. Yeah, to, you know, to, to allow it to be that. Yeah. So, Absolutely. It's that lack of cohesion in the narrative. Like one of the big, like the dissolvement of um, the Joe DiMaggio marriage, where I I thought that that that's like the one part where I'm like, this is actually really, really effective and really interesting because throughout their marriage, he is talking about how she's depicted as a piece of meat and she's being, Mm -hmm. um, you know, sexualized and everything. And then he, I think like he, it's after the, um, it's after the, uh, the vent thing, the iconic picture of her with her dress. Um, and then she comes home and he beats her and Mm -hmm. that's the last we see of that, but it's intercut or it's spliced together or there's voiceover of, uh, her father's letters saying that, Oh, I saw that, you know, I, I didn't see your new movie because it seemed too risque and everything. And, Mm-hmm. I understand what the movie's going for that it's like it's putting like the father figure onto Bobby Cannavale, Cannaval, mm-hmm. but also like there's no resolution to the father thing. There's no I don't know if these letters were supposed to be like actual letters that she received or if they were figments of her imagination. I don't yes. know, but then then with the with the JFK blowjob scene, it feels mm-hmm. like that 
I, I kind of appreciate the presentation of it because the way that we see it is that we're in, we're in, we're in an auditorium in a movie theater and it's on a big screen. And like, I guess if I had to like figure out like what that the intention of that was, is that maybe it's just showing that like, that's her just like against her will becoming like the, like in embracing or, or just falling into the, the uh blonde bombshell sex pot kind of persona mm-hmm. that that you know society has deemed her to be from her roles yeah but i it it doesn't connect enough for me to really feel confident saying that um yeah it's just yeah, yeah. it was it yeah, was that, a mess yeah yeah i mean and i and i still feel like you know the the jfk scene should be that you know it's to me it's like the world ruined her yeah and that that scene could be a great embodiment of that that everyone used her she had beauty she had you know that she had the beauty that everybody in the world wanted mm-hmm. and so people you know went to great lengths to have it until they didn't care about it anymore you yeah. know and, and then they just send it on to the next person but but there's also something moderately exploitative about it too in the context of the movie you know mm-hmm. she's you know Anna the armist is nude for a lot of the movie you know yeah. she's topless for a great you know a great amount of time in the movie mm-hmm. and you know and, and even that scene was pretty it was and i assume that scene is what gave it the nc-17 rating mm-hmm. and it's explicit but it's not it, it's not enough that it's it's not mm-hmm tawdry you know like we're not supposed to necessarily think this is a sexy scene right but also it's it's not really demeaning enough to her Mm -hmm. you know from in her eyes it's not something that's enough of a humiliation or you know or that she i don't know that she considered a humiliation Mm -hmm. you know but it 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 feels like watching it if you just explain that scene to someone you're like well that that would be a pretty humiliating thing yeah but they don't de- necessarily depict it that way. And then, and it right. just goes on, you know, after that scene's over, it's just like next scene, here we go. Yep. And it just, it's not properly, it's not given the right context. So yeah. it's just a collection of these scenes and it just all sort of, it all just sort of breaks down and never really comes together. I, I agree. There's no follow through with any of the relationships or any of the, any of the relationships she's, she has in the movie it's just the movie just flows through those those different interactions and just with with more and more just disturbing and and disgusting behavior and how yeah. she's ruined by, basically by uh by men and kind of hollywood and everything and i don't know i just i feel like this this movie could have been something unique in that regard but yeah. i don't feel like it is told well like at all (laughs) so yeah it's it's, it's just i would call it poor yeah yeah it's very perplexing yeah Mm, yeah yep um yeah do you have any any parting thoughts for blonde because we can kind of wrap it up and everything here Um, yeah no it's 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 one of the big disappointments for me of the year um you know after after seeing it um i I don't know what you know when when i first thought of it i thought oh wow this is going to be like a contender yeah um and it just kind of didn't end up being that it just right. kind of it, it was you know it has that length it, it wants to be it's you mm-hmm. know 
it it's like look at my pedigree i'm making this big you know movie and about you know about marilyn monroe and yep. look at all these fancy camera things i'm doing i'm you know i'm focusing on you know black and white filming mm-hmm. which you know and it looks pretty a lot of the time yeah oh yeah but, but it also but it, it also looks really amateurish at times there's a lot of yeah very close-up scenes that you know the the first scene where she's where she's raped in the you know mm-hmm. uh you know early on in the executive's is, office yeah yeah and it's just this close-up of her um you know of her face and mm-hmm. you know her head is just kind of moving and and to an extent there's you know there's value in a shot like that yeah but, but again it's not it's not really borne out it's just yeah. feels like a cheap way to do it yeah you know, when, you know in, in the way that it lays out in the movie mm-hmm. it just sort of feels like a cheap thing yeah. rather than being something poignant yeah and for that for that scene in particular like that that's a scene that's called back later when she's in the acting yeah. class and everything which I, I like that the movie at least attempts to connect it in that way, but also we don't really have much of any context for that encounter. And I kind yeah. of feel like it should have been developed more. It should have been more like instead of being about her, just this happening to her immediately, like yeah. show like establish to us that her excitement for being in that position for being on, like, I, I don't know, do something to make it more, even more just tragic and sad and, and yeah, to make yeah. it fall through, follow through with the rest of the movie. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's oddly a movie that doesn't say everything it should say, right. but is also way too long. It yes. also takes way too long to say oh, yeah. not enough. So yep. yeah, that that's, that's sort of, um, I think that maybe a sums up as, as best as I possibly Yeah. Can. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, just really, really not, not good. It's at best, it's a, a couple of interesting ideas presented through this prism of like hammering down one particular point of a character instead of giving a full, full, like full dimensional, uh, three dimensional image of the character. Um, and the final thought I was going to say about the, black and white in color i don't i don't remember if i mentioned this or not i thought for a while like after a while i was like oh i bet that i bet it's supposed to be that um the movie is doing such such an effort to differentiate between her as norma jean and her as marilyn monroe and Mm -hmm. i figured like okay well maybe maybe the black and white is for when she's marilyn monroe and then the colors when she's norma jean but then Mm -hmm. I couldn't like I couldn't yeah. like that didn't make any sense either in the context of the movie because that didn't yeah. follow through. So mm-hmm. like I don't know what the point was of that, but that was my yeah. theory and I don't know. It just yeah. ugh yeah. Okay, it was my, my real parting shot, my real parting yes. shot to this will be that this is someone mansplaining the life of Marilyn Monroe. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, if if a if a woman had had directed this movie, mm-hmm. had written and directed this movie, I don't know that it wouldn't have been a completely different you know, experience for us. Yeah. And it probably would have been a lot better. Yeah. A lot more nuanced in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, totally, totally agree. Um, so yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's our review of blonde. It hits Netflix on September 28th. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you think, do you think the reaction to this, uh, like are the, I don't know. I don't know what, 
it's getting pretty maligned, but do you think mm-hmm. like Hollywood will latch onto it and the Academy will be like, oh yes, let's let's throw some nominations at it? Somebody can't. Somebody might. I'm sure yeah. there'll be a few people. I I hope not. Mm-hmm. I would hate to have to vote against Anna de Armas, um, yeah. you know, to root against her because mm-hmm. I like her. I've loved her in just about everything she's been in so far. Oh yeah. Um, at least that I've seen. And it, it would be a shame too, but I can't. Yeah, I just can't with this movie. Yeah, give it. You know, even I mean, her performance is is terrific. Yeah, but oh yeah, the 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 overall movie is is just so nonsensical. I can't even. Yep. You know, I couldn't even imagine myself going. Okay, I can live with that because it's right. just no. It's just such a no. Yep, I I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our review of Blonde, and uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Obsessive Viewer. Joe, thank you so much for joining me uh, for this for this review for this episode and everything. Um, if you wouldn't mind just telling people again where they can find your work online and uh, and and social media and everything. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, uh, again, find me at Joe R. Shear. That's S H E A R E R. Uh, just look at the just look at the show description because yeah. you probably won't get it right. <laughs> um, I, I've spelled it to people a million times and mm-hmm. nobody ever, you know, it's it's not that difficult, but people for some reason can't quite catch mm-hmm. it. But um, but anyway, yeah, find me on Letterboxd. Uh, you can get me. Um, you can find me every now and again at Midwest Film Journal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with Sam and and the others um, who have been on your show, mm-hmm. uh, our some of our other colleagues and friends, and uh, uh, I'm also on occasion can be found at uh, Medium Cool, the movie a movie podcast um wherever you listen to your podcasts um so yeah so thanks for having me i appreciate nice. it yeah absolutely it's been a pleasure um all right well that'll do it for this episode of the obsessive viewer i'm going to start playing us out uh once again uh thank you to joe and to sam for joining me on this episode and uh if you feel in a giving mood check out uh, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer where you can get tons of bonus content um on patreon i've been doing a i've been having a lot of fun doing episode by episode reviews of the uh show dark which is great so check that out anyway uh thank you guys so much for listening and i'll see you in the next uh, episode i didn't hit the hit the uh the right timing on that but oh well um all right (laughs) and now enjoy this short clip from our patreon exclusive rss feed For the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, such as early access to episodes, TV book and movie reviews and reaction recordings, commentary tracks, and Patreon poopery episodes, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. And then here is where we get a very, very interesting moment. Um, Charlotte asks if he knows anything about the cycle of 33 years, which like saying that out loud right here on this recording, it makes me feel like that is a very, very significant thing. Like it is like saying that out loud, like the cycle of 33 years. I love it so much. (laughs) So she says that a year isn't exactly 365 days long. We're always a little bit out of sync. Uh, But every 33 years, everything is perfectly in sync. Everything is perfectly aligned. The planets are in the right rotation and the right space and everything. Um, And uh, she's uh, like, just that kind of broke my brain a little bit. I'm very, very curious about that. This podcast was edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find links to all of our shows at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. 
For exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.